just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. All right, a few episodes ago, I asked you to take our CityCast listener survey. The Salt Lake team needed 100 responses, and you did it in one day. I cannot handle it. You are amazing, CityCast Salt Lake listeners. Thank you so much. And if you never filled it out but meant to, this is your chance because I am moving the goalpost to 200. Here's why. Hearing from you helps us make this show as good as possible, and that's really important to me. Please take our quick five-minute multiple-choice survey at citycast.fm survey. And you'll be entered to win a $250 Visa gift card. That's citycast.fm slash survey. And here is what Salt Lake's talking about. Our namesake, the Great Salt Lake, dropped to a historic low last year. And though we have gained a few feet from snowmelt, it remains the Valley's greatest existential threat. Some legislators have taken this issue up with fervor, while many activists and scientists say we are far, far from solving this problem. Everyone's got ideas, and some are a little outside the box. Like, how about making the Great Salt Lake Utah's sixth national park? It's Monday, June 5th. I'm Allie Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Dr. Paul Allen Cox, you are an ethnobotanist and former BYU professor who recently wrote an opinion piece in the Deseret News advocating to make the Great Salt Lake a national park to help protect it. What would that accomplish? I think if you uh, live in Utah, and so I spent my childhood there, the real question about the Great Salt Lake is right now, is it a toxic waste dump or... Is it a treasure chest, like a nature's curiosity cabinet? I mean, think of it, 10 million wildfowl long to come there every year in their migration from Canada to South America, 10 million. There's ancient uh, Native American uh, footprints uh, on the west side of the lake. There's Robert Smithson uh, uh, spiral jetty, the most yeah. important piece of geological art up in the north. And in the south uh, west, we have... Uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats, where Craig Breedlove was pushing the sound barrier in a car. It's just, it's not like no other place in the world. It's incredible. Well, it is interesting to hear you say that as someone who grew up here, because often what you hear from Salt Lakers, especially before the crisis at the lake became a topic of popular culture in our city, was, oh, the Great Salt Lake, yeah, it stinks. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, it you know. It smells bad. It's, it's kind of putrid. We don't really have big feelings about it. I think it's a real treasure chest, and I think we ought to start thinking of that, to be grateful to have it and showcase this for others. Yeah. The other thing that, that I mentioned in my editorial is I had a friend from Switzerland, and I asked him, you know, what's the most amazing thing you've seen in North America? And he said, uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats. I was astonished. If you grow up in the Alps, really? But it turns out the people outside of Utah do not share our sort of 
blank spot on the map that we <laughs> sort of intellectually uh, or emotionally put the Great Salt Lake. It, it's an incredible resource. I mean, aside from making it perhaps more of a tourist destination, what would the park designation accomplish in terms of upending the crisis that we're in right now at the lake? I don't think the uh, Great Salt Lake National Park would solve the water issues, but it will heal our relationship with that ecosystem. I think it would help us better conceptualize it as a, not a place where you dump things, but a place of wonder and beauty and extraordinary importance to the natural world. And so I really think this is an idea that has legs. The, The question isn't, should there be one maybe as much as well, if we make one, what would it look like? And that'd be very interesting to discuss. Have we seen the National Park or National Monument designation suggested as a tactic to preserve other dwindling bodies of water in the past? It's interesting. I was in uh, Washington last week with a bunch of students from BYU and Native Americans to ask Congress to start a study to look at the lake. And I found in the congressional record that this idea was not original with me. It came up in the 1960s. Mm. Uh, Frank Moss, the U.S. Senator, held hearings on this, of creating a national park in the Great Salt Lake. And we forget in the 19th century, Salt Air was a big deal. There was a train line going out there. Yeah, People loved to float in the Great Salt Lake. Mm, That's swim at the Great Salt Air. Right. So it's fun with the proposal because uh, when I talked to the Utah delegation, they are very concerned, as many Utahns are, about federal control of lands. Turns out that uh, other than the lake bottom and the water, which are owned by uh, the state of Utah, most of the land around the Great Salt Lake is federal land anyway. It's uh, Bureau of Land Management, or it's a National Wildlife Refuge, or in the case of Golden Spike, a national monument. So it really wouldn't create any new federal holdings. Maybe Mm. the state could get some income by leasing parts of it that the state owns. And then when I talked to the uh, uh, environmental side in Washington, they're very concerned about my suggestion that we grandfather current uses of the lake. And there's this whole industry of shrimp, brine shrimp harvesters. It's an amazing thing. Uh, Morton salt, there's other uh, mineral extraction things. My view is every park, they're not cookie cutter. Every park has its own act of Congress to meet all of these needs. And so I'd like to see a place that interprets, teaches, and brings people into the Great Salt Lake ecosystem. I'm not one of those that thinks we should put a fence up and keep people out. So your proposal would be to not change any of the economic activity that's happening there. Not at all. I, the like other not... big one is the the lithium mining, right? Is, is yeah, yeah, sure. What I'd like to do would be to meet with each of the stakeholders and uh, sort of say, well, how do you view this lake? How do you need it? What can we do to tell your story? Full disclosure here, my dad was a national park ranger. My mom was fish and wildlife. My grandpa was hired by John D. Rockefeller to help create the uh, park up here at Grand Teton National Park, where I live now. Hmm. Um, so I've sort of got park in my blood, you know. Yeah. But we can create that legislation just the way we want it, because I don't think the park will work unless we make sure that Everybody that's a stakeholder feels that they're going to benefit. So we could tell their stories. And maybe there's a part in the park headquarters where we tell the story of the lithium guys. The park is a place that's for all Americans. Hmm. I I helped to create the 50th National Park of the United States in Samoa, in American Samoa. If we can create this, Great Salt Lake National Park would be the sixth park for Utah. The other five are down in southern Utah, sixth park. 
and it would be the 64th national park in the United States. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. On the note of this place is for everyone, we have seen outdoor treasures in Utah suffer negative consequences from overuse when they become national parks or monuments. I'm thinking constantly about the town of Moab outside Arches, which has is trying to pause tourism advertising right now because they need to work through some of their use. What are the risks of making the lake a national park? Because you've certainly spoken to the benefits. The risk is this, that if we continue as a people to treat the Great Salt Lake as a dumping ground, it's going to get us. I mean, uh, I've spent a lot of the summer in fallen helicopter flying around with a device that samples dust the same way a human lung would. And we're still churning the data, but it's terrifying what we see. There are toxic metals. There are cyanobacterial toxins that we know elsewhere can trigger serious neurodegenerative illness. Everybody's going to suffer if this thing isn't fixed. And I see a national park as sort of a way of bringing our all aspects of our community together and have a discussion. What can we save? What can we do? What shouldn't we do? And that gets codified by an act of Congress. So the next step really is that the Utah congressional delegation, particularly uh, Congressman Moore, who we met with, needs to call the Park Service up and say, could you please do a preliminary study on this? Just do a study. Tell us if you think this meets national park standards, and if so, how you'd view it. Would there be more roads? That's one one concern that I've seen around this idea is like, uh-oh, are we in for Zion National Park-style road management? 
Well, yeah, I mean, would there be more roads? Sure, there'd have to be. Like if you go out now to uh, Spiral Jetty, it's a pretty rough road. Yeah, you know, it is a bumpy ride. Yeah. Well, I like it. It's fun. You sort of yeah. have this feeling, boy, here I am. And But we need to make that available to more people. So there'd have to be some road improvements there. If you think of uh, Capitol Reef or even Arches, by building a really good road, a transportation conduit, you're basically saying, okay, this is where we want your cars and we don't want them off there. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it would protect it uh, in, in a lot of ways. I think allowing people to experience the park, but in very special conduits, and then protecting the rest of it. But you need well, to know I'm I'm under attack. Uh, I'd say criticism by the environmental community. The same way I was in the Samoa National Park. When we started getting that going, this turns out Samoan people feel the same way about their land. The Native Americans feel about ours. It's sacred. They didn't want to sell any to the United States. So every piece, every centimeter is leased from the Samoan people. Then the Samoan people can continue to go collect medicinal plants, use the resource sustainably the way they have for thousands of years. And, you know, uh, some of the environmental community is saying, oh, Paul, you know, you're going to destroy the national park system. Well, my view is, and I think I'm on solid ground here, if we don't do something, that ecosystem will be destroyed. We have well, a very I'm, narrow window to protect it. And this would be the best way, in my opinion. I'm curious why you think that involvement at the federal level is necessary. Do you not think that that the state is not interested in meaningfully protecting the lake or that it can't be done locally? You know, uh, of course they're interested. I mean, uh, Governor Cox, no relation, mm-hmm. appointed a, a leader, which people are calling the Great Salt Lake Czar, yeah. really, really intelligible guy. There's been a lot of really good discussion. Everybody's passionate about it. But I think by having a national park, it does two things. First of all, it adds prestige to the idea of the ecosystem. Secondly, it's a gateway for federal funding. Hmm. I mean, people pay a lot of taxes in Utah. Wouldn't it be great to get some of those back to build visitor centers, to lease certain areas, to take some of the burden off the state? The national park means that it is important to all Americans and important to the world. It's 150 years since the first national park in the world was created, Yellowstone. What a great birthday present. Right, America's best idea. Yeah, that's what Ken Burns says. And I think he's right. What do you think? I think it's a pretty good one. Though, I mean, I do think, you know, I've talked to a lot of local activists about the crisis at the lake. And one of the calls that I've heard a lot of is that the lake's future should be determined in part, if not in whole, by Utah's tribal leaders. And I wonder how getting the feds involved could push off that, further push off that effort. What do you think about that? We've been talking to Darren Perry. He actually Shoshone ran, Elder, I think, for Congress. Northwest yeah, yeah. of Shoshone. That's right. And uh, I've spent a lot of time with the Goshutes over in Ibapai. I cannot speak for them or either either groups. They're quite qualified to speak for themselves. But I do think that Native Americans want it preserved and that they have a certain level of trust in the National Park Service. I think of Canyon de Chile down in the Navajo Reservation, Montezuma's Castle in Arizona, which I think is a National Historic Site. The National Park concept exists for two reasons, to protect the resource and then to make it available to enjoy it. And at this point, if you really want to go enjoy, there's a great state park on Antelope Island. But I think sort of seeing it as a whole ecosystem under federal protection would be in everybody's interest. And certainly uh, Darren Perry agrees with that. And uh, I think the Shoshones and the Goshutes, but I'd like to see uh, all the tribal leaders weigh in on this. The other thing that I would like to say is that I'd like to see them play a lead in interpretation of the ethno history of this. Hmm. And 
again, that's a great thing to have uh, Native Americans, who, who are such a key part of our state, explain their story in their own words and their own concepts to uh, visitors to Utah. Yeah. Well, I have a te- one technical question for you. Whose decision is this ultimately? Is it the it, Secretary of the Interior's? Is it the, the Utah legislature's? This decision would belong to the United States Congress. The United it, States Congress. They could right. usurp they, any remaining sort of land from the state. to. No, they can't part. usurp it at all. In okay. fact, uh, if the Utah congressional delegation opposed this deeply, it would never happen. There has to be a separate bill go through Congress to create the national park. And that bill is really going to have to enjoy the support of the entire Utah delegation or it won't go anywhere. And then it has to pass the House, it has to pass the Senate, and then it has to be signed by the occupant of the White House, whoever it is at that time when the bill goes through. So there's a lot of steps here, but my view is, wouldn't it be great to have uh, Congressman Moore, and I guess Congressman Stewart just announced his retirement, but Mm -hmm. Congressman Curris and Burgess all be able to reflect the wishes of their constituents in writing this legislation. So it's the way they Mm -hmm. want it. You mentioned that you met with them and they had some concerns. How oh, confident yeah. are you that you can muster the political will around this idea or that that Utahns can muster the political will? Well, that's why we're starting here. You know, I mean, we need to have the discussion. And I think Congressman Moore, he expressed concerns. You know, we have a lot of federal lands here in, in Utah. Yeah. And he felt that the federal government's not always been responsible to the wishes of Utah in land management. Well, what's interesting is this... These are all federal lands already. At this point, all that needs to be done is the National Park Service is requested to make a study. That's it. So the Congressman Moore, Congressman Curtis do not have to say they're going to go for the park. They just have to ask the National Park Service for the study. It is possible, I think, to get legislation that would meet everybody's needs. For example, one thing people are very worried about in Utah is water rights. The first sentence of the legislation could be the federal government renounces all interest in water rights of the state of Utah in the uh, Great Salt Lake Basin. Wow. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people, I think, in our legislature would be very pleased to have that declaration. The, the legislation can be whatever we want it to, but I think for the long term, wouldn't it be nice to have that sixth national park there and interpret I mean, it for the kids? Yeah. At this moment, the attorney general for the state of Utah, Sean Reyes, is suing the Biden administration to try and overturn the administration's ruling, redesignating Bears Ears National Monument. If you, while that is happening, can get Utah's congressional delegation behind even a preliminary study for a sixth national park, Dr. Cox, I will be massively impressed. <laughs> well, let's remember here that from their point of view, uh, Grand uh, Escalante, Grand Staircase, uh, and Bearser were both made by presidential fiat. The, the uh, mm. occupants of the White House who were from a different party. In the case of Grand Staircase, Escalante, President Clinton announced the legislation down the Grand Canyon. Yeah, you know, I mean, of course, forget. that's that gonna, was wild. That's going to tick off every uh, conservative person in Utah. You know, I get that. Mm. This is totally different. We're not mm. asking that the president do anything. That really. This is legislation crafted, written in Utah, and it will not You think it has less of a political tinge then? Totally, because it will meet everybody's needs. Think of this as Utah's collective dream of what we could do with that park. Dr. Paul Allen Cox, ethnobotanist and former BYU professor, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for interviewing me. And And uh, for having a big idea. 
We well, love let's ideas. see if it works. Let's see if it works. <laughs> As for a state intervention, Fox 13's Ben Winslow recently talked Lake News with Representative Doug Owens of Mill Creek. He co-chairs the Ledge's Great Salt Lake Caucus. Representative Owens told Fox 13 he might resuscitate a few Great Salt Lake bills that died either in committee or on the floor last session. One of them pertains to watering. How about a ban on outdoor watering between October 1st and April 25th? and fines for violators. Owens may also revive Governor Cox's request to the legislature for $100 million to pay farmers not to grow certain crops when the state is in extreme drought. Could one of those crops be alfalfa, perhaps? Alfalfa and hay are technically Utah's most valuable agricultural crops, though they contribute just 0.2% to our overall economy and use almost 70% of our water. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. And again, you absolute rock stars, thank you for taking our survey at citycast.fm slash survey. Keep doing it. We are so grateful. And we will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city.